Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste, everybody. Uh, this is extremely exciting for me, and I want to tell you why. In chapter 2, we withdrew the energy from the armies of the Asuras. Kam, Krut, Lo, Mo, Moda, All the bad guys, all the negativities were cut down. In chapter 3, we took away the ego, the great ego himself. We took all the energy from the ego, we gave it to the gods, and we became the Divine Mother. Now in chapter 4, Indra and all the other gods got together and we all went to the Devi Mandir and we sang Shakrabi Stuti. In the Shakrabaya, Shakrabi and all the others, uh, they bent down their bodies, they bowed down with devotion and they sang this hymn of praise to the Divine Mother. Mom said, I like your singing. I don't know if she really did. She never liked mine. She always says, turn down your mic a little bit. But she said, I'm going to give you a boom if you'll stop making noise. <laughs> and I, she said, what boom do you want? We said, Mom, Sansmrita, Sansmrita, whenever, whenever we remember you with complete devotion, with full intensity, then and there you will give us intuitive vision and remove our every difficulty. And if anybody who's human sings these songs, you're going to give them increase in all of their aspirations. You'll give them whatever they're trying to acquire, whatever they're trying to attain with, which is in harmony with your definition of what is purity. If they meet your agenda, you'll give it to them. We said, that's cool, Mom. You're a neat mom. And then you disappear. So then in chapter 5, self-conceit and self-deprecation kept saying, me, 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 me. Everything you do is for me. There is no one who watches any movie without saying, look at me. It's my movie. Didn't I do a good job? What a dummy I am. And we had all of those thoughts. Right. So then self-conceit and self-deprecation marched right up to heaven. And they threw all the gods out of heaven. And all the gods fell down to earth and having no place to live. We were quite homeless, you know. We were, we were sleeping under bridges and we were sleeping downtown in the panhandle and in the tenderloin. And all the homeless shelters were full of gods who forgot their divinity. Right? And then some of the gods got together and said, this is, this is a bore. This is absolutely a bummer. We can't live like this. We're gods. Let's go to the Devi Mandir. And Srima will cook for us. And... That's just what we did. We all went to the Himalayas and to the Devi Mandir in the Himalayas and where Srima was there giving blessings. And of course, Srima said, oh, the holy Brahmins, the gods, the rishis, they've all come to my ashram. Come on in, guys. I'm just cooking right now. Uh, 
sit down and what do you need to do your worship? Let me send Go Tom to get some flowers and I'll send Pranabhananda uh, 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 to Costco and he can fill up the cupboards and I'm going to take care of all the visitors. So then we got together and said, hey, we must be in heaven. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Gotam gets the flowers and Pranavananda goes and fills up the truck in Costco and we fill up the cupboards and the pantry and we're all well fed and stuff. We bow to you. We bow to you. Continually we bow, we bow. Mother, all we want to do is sing to you Namastashi, 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 Namonama. To that divine mother, that goddess who resides in every form of energy, we bow, we bow, we bow, continually, we bow, we bow. Well, when mother heard that song, she, she said, guy, you guys remembered. <laughs> You remembered me. And we said, Mom, you know what? In olden days, we sang another song. We sang the Sakradi Stuti of chapter 4. And you gave us the boon that every time we remember you, you're going to come. And here we are in chapter 5, and we're remembering you again, having fallen into difficulties once again. Your kids are thinking about coming home and having a good meal and having uh, good, nice flowers to, with which to worship. And so we're worshiping you. We're worshiping you. And then mom took a beautiful form and she came, became the goddess of nature and uh, uh, two servants of self-conceit and self-deprecation named anger and passion came and said, who's that beautiful lady there? And from within came Koshiki. She came out from within and she came in and she said, uh, uh, it's the mother of the universe. You're singing about Srima. So then anger and passion went back to self-conceit and they said, hey, self-conceit and your brother self-deprecation, uh, you are so full of selfishness, you're so full of it. Nobody is as conceited as you are. And just think, if the energy of the universe belonged to you, then there would be nothing to limit your conceit. You own everything else. Everybody who does anything, anybody who possesses anything says, I own it. Look at me. I am the, I possess it. It's mine. I did it. So why don't you go get that divine mother and bring her here to your place. I know you're too busy to go there to, to surrender yourself to her. So, and why would you? Your self-conceit. She is the energy of everything in all. Bring her home to you. And uh, so, Lord of Thought, of all the jewels you have taken the best and the most excellent, and of all women, the finest jewel is the goddess of welfare. Why don't you bring her to your house? And that's where we left off, ladies and gentlemen. And we're on page 208. And we're starting with verse number 101. And the Rishi said... 
after hearing the words of passion and anger, self-conceit sent he who appears to be a friend, a great thought, as an ambassador to the goddess. Now, this Sue Grieve is really a neat character. He, he comes into our lives a lot of time as the ambassador from self-conceit. Uh, Sue Grieve, of course, it literally means beautiful neck. <laughs> he likes to neck a lot. <laughs> But he's got a, a Sue, an excellent, a Grieville. He's got a neck. And so Grieve is the guy with the excellent neck. But what he really means, and it's also Bacharti, if you look in the dictionary, who has the countenance or the, appearia, the appearance of friendship. So he who appears to be your friend, I'm telling you what's in your best interest. I want to, I'm your friend. And it's in your best interest to come become the servant of self-conceit because everybody else is. I mean, nobody does anything without saying, I, listen to yourselves talk. Listen to yourselves think. Do you do anything without saying, I am doing? So it's in your best interest. I, I'm, I'm really your friend. I'm telling you what's good for you. If you know what's good for you, you'll listen to me. After hearing the words of passion and anger, self-conceit sent, he who appears to be a friend, a great thought, as an ambassador to the goddess. Do you know there was another Sugriv uh, in the Ramayana? Uh, Sugriv was the king of the monkeys, and he made a deal with Ram. He said, okay, er, er, I'll give you the kingdom. Ram said, disagree. I'll give you your kingdom back. And after you become the king, you go search for Sita and tell me where she is. That's all you got to do. So Ram killed Bali and he put Sugriva on the throne of Kishkind. He who appears to be a friend. And Sugriva started celebrating. And he started living it up. And he was eating and drinking and, uh, and doing other nefarious activities. And he forgot all about his promise to Ram. He just hung out and he was enjoying being the king. He appeared to be a friend. Well, Lakshman got mad. And Lakshman marched right into Kishkind. Ayurvata marched right up to the throne of, of Sugriv. And he said, you know, Sugriv, you appear to be a friend, but you're not. You promised my brother Ram that you would go find Sita. And here you are eating and drinking and doing other nefarious activities playing around with your dancing girls and, and enjoying the, the pleasures of being a king rather than going out and fulfilling your pro promise. If you are such an ungrateful man, if you are such a, a, a you, you have no truth, no com compulsion to fulfill your promise, uh, just remember that the arrow that slayed your brother is still in the quiver of Ram. <laughs> And if you don't get to work right now, we're going to attack. <clears throat> now, he who appears to be a friend. You are, you are a good actor. Oh, no, no, no. 
I am not acting. That is just what happened. So greed got scared. He went to Ram. He fell at her feet. And he said, oh, Ram, please forgive me. I was away from the kingdom for so long and deprived. I was doing austerities in the cave on top of Rishamuk. And now I got the kingdom back. I forgot all about my promise. You please forgive me. I'm going out right now. My soldiers are going to march in north, south, east, and west. And they're all going to search for Sita wherever she may be. That was another Sugriv. He who appears to be a friend. How many times does he who appears to be a friend come to us as the ambassador of the Asuras <laughs> and says, oh, you don't have to do all the 100% of what you said. You could give a little less. It doesn't matter. That's a, that old sadhu, what's he going to do about it anyway? Uh, so what if it takes me three years to finish my, my, my website? What, what difference does it make? What's he going to do about it? So what if uh, I'm working on these apps for two years now? It's okay. It doesn't matter. It'll get done when it gets done. And if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. And hurry, bolt. He who appears to be a friend. So he was the ambassador from self-conceit. And he commanded him, <coughs> uh, Hey, he who appears to be a friend, explain all this to her with sweet words so that being pleased, she will quickly come. Uh, so, it, it, you, you are my ambassador, the ambassador from self-conceit. Go to that goddess, tell her everything that's beautiful in the world belongs to me. Everything that's worthwhile in this world belongs to me. Uh, so, do yourself a favor and come quickly. And then the ambassador went to the very beautiful area in the mountains where the goddess was seated and spoke in tender honey-like words. And the ambassador said, O oh, goddess, the king of thought, self-conceit, is the lord of the three worlds. I have been sent as his ambassador to come to you. All of the gods have been defeated by him, and all obey his commands, no one can violate his order. Listen to the message he sends to you. The entire three worlds are under my authority, and all the gods obey my every command. I personally enjoy the share of every sacrifice, and all the finest jewels in the three worlds are under my authority. <laughs> and I have taken the jewel of elephants, the carrier of the god, the rule of the pure, Arabat, is the name of the elephant who, which Indra rides on. He's the, the love for all. I took love from, for all away from the ruler of the pure, and now it's only love for me. <laughs> the jewel of horses, the horse of wisdom, which was produced from the beginning of creation. Remember when the gods and the Asuras churned the milk ocean, the Kshira Shamudra, the ocean of pure consciousness, and out came Uchaisravas, the horse of wisdom, and the gods have surrendered at my feet.
Oh, beautiful one, beyond that, as many beautiful jewels that belong to the gods or to the heavenly beings or the swiftly proceeding, they all shine with me. Look at my ornaments. All the beautiful jewels are with me. Oh, goddess, we consider you to be the jewel of all women in the world, in the creation, and therefore you come to us because we are the enjoyers of all jewels. You of inconstant gaze, look at she can't keep her eye, her eyes straight. She can't look him in the eye. Or is it the other way around? <laughs> he... he, he it's he that can't look her in the eye. But he calls her of inconstant gaze. You can't do thratak? You can't look me in the eye? Oh, that's because I'm always blinking. Uh, you of inconstant gaze, come and serve me and my extremely valiant brother, self-deprecation, because you are the essence of jewels. By fulfilling my wish, you will achieve great glory. Now, use your intelligence to decide if you want to be my wife. What a proposal. I mean, what self-respecting woman could turn down a proposal like that? Self-conceit says, you be my shakti, you be my energy, you be my inspiration. I am the enjoyer of everything beautiful. You're pretty nice. Uh, you come here and inspire me. If you are if the energy of everything and all is my energy, then where are the limits of my self-conceit? Well, the Rishi said, and then the goddess, the excellent supreme empress Srima, she who removes all difficulties, thoughtfully, tranquilly, gently smiling, gave her reply. Devi the goddess said, all that you have said is true without a particle of falsehood. Your self-conceit is the master of the three worlds, as is the equally the valiant self-deprecation. You guys really are strong. Everybody does everything in service to their own selves. But in this matter, because of my small intelligence, I have already undertaken an oath to which I cannot be untrue. Please listen. Yomam Jagati Sangrame. Whoever will defeat me in the battle, Yomay Darpong Yapohati, whoever will lose his self conceit in me. He surrenders all his sense of self to me. He loses it in me. Whoever sees the force of the universe as one within me, all the energy of the universe is in me. Not you. <laughs> no, no, no. Sami Bartha Babishati. He 
will be my husband. Oh, what a dodo head I was. I was just a young, stupid, foolish little girl. And I didn't know any better, and I made this silly little vow, and I said, hey, I, you know, I have, I have alpobudi, I have little intelligence, I have, I'm just such a silly little girl, and I didn't know any better, and I took this vow, and I don't want to be untruthful to my vow. So, you return to self-conceit and self-deprecation, those great thoughts. And when they conquer me, I will marry. What is the necessity of delay? I can't be untrue to my, thought, my vow. Tell them, come here, fight with me. I'm a little girl by myself. I have no weapons. I have no army. I have no force. I have no... I'm just... All I have is this stupid little vow, and I'm sure they can... They defeated all the gods. They defeated all the rishis. They defeated all the human beings. They conquered the entire earth. They can't fight with one little girl by herself, unarmed. When they defeat me, then I'll have no choice. I'll be their prisoner. I'll come and do whatever they tell me to do. I'll surrender. But I'm not going of my own accord because that would make me a liar. And if I can't trust me, who can I trust? If I don't fulfill my sankalpa, who will I be able to trust? I made a vow. Let them conquer me and I'll marry. And the ambassador said, <clears throat> Goddess, your pride is very great to speak like that to me. In the three worlds, there is not a man who can stand against self-conceit and self-deprecation. Goddess, of all, all the gods cannot challenge the thoughts in battle. They're going to lose. Yes, 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 immediately they're going to lose. What merit have you as you are alone and a woman and you have no army? And you have no weapons. And you have, what do you, all you have is this silly little promise. If the rule of the pure and all the other gods could not stand up to self-conceit in battle, how will you, a woman, go forth to battle? And therefore, go to self-conceit and self-deprecation because of what I have said. In this way, you will protect your dignity. I am he who appears to be a friend. And I'm telling this to you for your own good. Give up your pride and surrender to self-conceit and self-deprecation. Otherwise, when you are grabbed by the hair and dragged, you will lose your honor. And the goddess said, what you say is correct. Self-conceit is very strong, and self-deprecation, too, is a valiant warrior. But what can I do? Without thinking, I have made this promise. <laughs> now, you go, and just as I have told you, explain fully to the king of thought, and let him do whatever he thinks is proper. Oh. <laughs> Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste. Iti Panchamam Adhyaya.
So we said, hey, guys, come on down from there. <laughs> she said, no. <laughs> she said, yeah, you come on down from there or I'm going to come up there and drag you by the hair. She said, no. <laughs> you are strong, you are heroic, you are valiant, you have an army of, uh, of soldiers with you, you've got horses and elephants, come and get me. It shouldn't be any difficulty to you, but you have to come to me. I'm not coming down of my own volition. You've got to come to me and make me sit still. And you've got to see the force of the universe, the energy of the universe as one within me. And you've got to surrender all of your self-conceit to me. And then I'm yours. And you are me. Let's see if there are any questions tonight. <laughs> we have a question from Ambika in Princeton. Namaste Ambika in Princeton. Namaste Sham. Namaste. He who appears to be a friend can be very tricky in convincing at times. He sure is! How do we build up the confidence to trust our inner voice when making decisions? Well, I want to tell you the story of Chavanamuni and Sukanya. Chavanamuni was this old blind sadhu who was married to this young, beautiful chick. Sukanya, excellent young lady and the most beautiful young lady, and the Ashwins, the, the physicians of the gods, came and said, hey, beautiful young lady, what are you doing married to that old sadhu, that old blind man? Uh, uh, what, what kind of a romance is that? And Sukanya said, well, that's my husband and I. We took a vow to serve him, and uh, the Ashwins said, well, how would you like it if we turned him into a young man. And Sukanya so said, well, that would be pretty nice. <laughs> we could really get it on then. <laughs> so the, she, the Ashwin said, go ask your husband, how do you feel about this? And Sukanya so went to Chavanamuni and she said, Chavanamuni, the Ashwin twins came to me and she said, they said to me, would you like it if your husband became young and handsome and strong and he got his eyesight restored and he would be a pleasure to be around and you wouldn't have to take him everywhere he has to go? And Chavanamuni said, yeah, do it. But before you say any word, remember the Divine Mother. Before you say any word, if they ask you any question, remember the Divine Mother. Sukanya came back to the Ashwin twins. They said, she said to them, uh, my husband agrees. You should turn him into a beautiful, handsome young man with full eyesight. So the Ashwin said, bring him here. Sukanya led him to where they were standing at the edge of the lake. And they led him into the lake. And all three of them dumped underneath the water once. They dumped underneath the water twice. And they dumped underneath the water three times. 
And all three of them came up wearing exactly the same form. And they all called in one voice, Okay, Sukanya, which one is your husband? And Sukanya said, wait a minute, <laughs> this is hard. They all look exactly the same. <laughs> they all sound exactly the same. They all have all the characteristics exactly the same. How do I choose? And she got very, very dis uh, uh, disconcerted. Oh, this is a horrible decision to make. If I choose the wrong one, I'll be guilty of transgressing my vows. And then she remembered what her husband told her. And she started saying, Om Eng Ring Kling Chamundai Ibichay. And the Divine Mother came to her and said, That one! <laughs> and she found her husband and they got married again and they had a lot of fun. And Ambika! <laughs> How do you remember? How do you know which one is the right one? How do you know which way to go? Who, when he who appears to be a friend comes to you and make, puts you into this dilemma, call upon the Divine Mother. Remember her mantra. Remember her grace. And she will guide you to the proper decision. You have to trust in God. You have to trust. That's where Ya Devi Sarva Bhuteshu Shraddha Rupinda Samshtida to the Divine Mother who resides in the form of faith. Namastashe, 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 Namon Namah. Yes, please. We have a question from Vijoy in Boston. Namaste, Vijoy! Namaste, Swamiji. So, is it true that the gods know our true goal and they'll help us to reach it? Yes, it is true, but they only know it in so far as we know it ourselves. <laughs> if we don't know what our true goal is, then it's really difficult for the gods to help us. But if we have spent so much time preparing for that goal, for example, in chapter 13, the goddess comes and says, you are making so much noise, what do you want? And sometimes we have it on the tip of our tongue. It says, We want pure, infinite, unending, endless, with the greatest intensity, pure devotion. Please. We don't have to think it's second nature to us. It becomes second nature to the gods know what you want. If you're working towards that goal, if you're thinking about that goal, the gods obviously know what you want. If it's just one on a list with a lot of, lot of entries, <laughs> and every time it rises to the top, you say, well, I'll get there a little later. You put it back down on the bottom. And then the gods say, well, this is kind of a frivolous goal. You're not really committed to that goal, so why should we commit to giving it to you? So be joyous. They know when we know. And when we are sure, then they are sure to grant it to us. That's really what we want. We have a question from Sadhna Shakti in Seattle. Namaste Sadhna Shakti. Pranam. 
Before you conquered self-conceit and self-deprecation, can you please enlighten us on to what techniques you took when confronted with these, with these dangerous asuras? Thank you. As to what? Uh, on what technique you took techniques. when confronted with these dangerous asuras. Oh, it, it, Sadhana Shakti, we read the Chandi. And we read the Chandi longer and louder and brighter and more pronounced and more intensely. And we read it as though it was our story. And in order to prepare ourselves to write, read the Chandi, we did the Cosmic Puja. And then after we did the Cosmic Puja, we did the Chandi. And then after the Chandi, we did the Puja again. And then we did a Homa. And then we did another Puja. And then we did the Evening Arati. And we spent our lives in service to the goddess. And then we did whatever seva was necessary to maintain the, the ashram, wherever we were, whether it was chopping wood and carrying water or, or, or doing the books and, and cooking the books and, and making the entries, <laughs> making everything balanced. We did what we did as a service to God. But the, the mool sadhana in the Devi Mandir is the chandi. Because she is the essence of our lives. Our altar reflects the Samasthi Upasha, the cosmic puja which comes from the Chandi. Uh, so that's what we did. And then we read the Sita part, we read the Ulta part, we read the Samput part, we read the Udoi Samput part, and we read, we read the Ashtashamput part, and we even read the Shatakshavidi. So we read the Chandi from morning till night. That's what we did. We have a question from Moshami and Siddharth in Boulder. Namaste Moshami, Namaste Siddharth. Pranam. Despite already knowing that the stuti of the Divine Mother can relieve from all distress, why did Indra and the other gods repeatedly forget that stuti and consequently lose the throne to the Asuras? Or should we conceive the whole battle just within ourselves and it is we who are forgetting the stuti and falling into a distress situation? It's the latter, Mushomi, that we keep forgetting. The, the rule of the pure within me keeps forgetting. And he says it's more important that I become a, a, a somebody or I, uh, I support the ashram or I take care of the obligations that I've ascribed to or I fulfill my responsibilities or I handle all the, the burdens and obligations of maintaining my life in this world. And therefore, I don't have time. I'm for you. Look at my self-conceit. Just so easily he who appears to be a friend gets in there and says, oh, but you know what? If you took care of your goal, if your, ob your obligations and you took care of your responsibilities, you would come closer and closer and closer to fulfilling the purpose for which you're here. And then you could sing the Chandi later. That's what he who appears to be a friend says. And in that way, self-conceit gets inside the door and then he kicks it open and he opens up the door and he gets inside and he says, Aha! Another kingdom for me to conquer! Look at me! Whereas if we said, Okay, I'm going to sing the Chande. And then I'm going to do the things that I have to do. Uh, or I'm going to make
make time for doing, for fulfilling my responsibilities after I finish the puja. What time did you come this morning? And before that? 1.45. 1.45. And who was sitting in front? You were. I was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you mean the only time I got to do the puja and the peace and the tranquility was at 1 o'clock in the morning? Okay. That's when I did it. <laughs> but I wasn't going to give up giving, doing the puja. Even though I have to do other things as well. Yes, please. We have a question from Devananda in Seattle. Namaste, Devananda! Namaste. Because of the verses about Ma Sankalpa, her vow, yes. and because this is the episode of Mahasaraswati, does this mean that Mahasaraswati is a good aspect to worship for strengthening Sankalpa Shakti? Yes, she is, but so is Lakshmi and so is Kali. They're all good, but certainly she gives us the knowledge and the definition and the clarity with which we can make our commitment. Understanding why we want it is almost as important or equally as important as what do we want. Lakshmi is the Laksh and she is the definition of the goal. And Saraswati is the knowledge of why do I want that goal and what am I going to do when I get it? How do I know if I got there? And how do I know what's left to do before I finish it? Saraswati and Lakshmi are two sisters. You call one of them, they'll both come. But if you call only Lakshmi, she may come, but she might not stay. She's not obligated to stay. If you call Saraswati, then Lakshmi will come and they'll both stay. <laughs> Which means if you only call for wealth, wealth may come or she may not come, but she won't stay with you. But if you call for knowledge, she will come, she'll bring the wealth, you'll know what to, how to invest the wealth, how to make the wealth grow. Uh, there was a lord who had three sons and he, he had many talents and he gave the talents to the one son who hid his talents and he was afraid and he gave the other son to, uh, talents and he traded his talents and he made them grow, and he gave the third son more talents, and he went out and made it prosper. And he cultivated those talents, and he came back with more. So, hey, in the same way, if you call on Saraswati, she'll bring Lakshmi, and she may give you the knowledge also how to make it grow. Not just stay, but how to make it grow. Yes, please. We have a question from Laura. Namaste, Lara. Pranam, it seems that self-deprecation might be the most dangerous asura because he tells me I am not one with God. What is the best technique for getting past the feeling that God could not possibly reside in this body? Well, ya devi sarabhuteshu jati rupena samstita. I am one with all beings born. Mother. I mean, you are everywhere. You are the energy in everything, and I am part of the everything. I'm one of the everythings. So I can't be a nobody. So as much as self-deprecation wants to say, hey, you fool, you're a nobody. He's a real nowhere man, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. And instead of that, you could say, hey, 
I am one with all of creation. I am one with all beings born. I am one with all of life. And therefore, as you love life, and as you reside in all of life, you reside in me too. And as you forgive all the children of your creation, you got to forgive me too. And as I request for forgiveness, for patience and forgiveness, shanti, rupa, samstita, for all of creation, I got to request for forgiveness and patience for me. So if you can forgive all the stupid things I did, sahasrani, I did a thousand stupid things every single day. Please, Mama, would you please forgive me? Proceed the Parameshwari. Would you please so gracious forgive me for all the stupid things I do? Again, whatever dumb things I did from ignorance, forgetfulness, just plain confusion, just plain stupidity. Mama, you gotta help me. You gotta forgive me so I can forgive me too. No, no, self-deprecation is not the strongest of all the Asuras, but he's really a mean character to face. The strongest one is the sense of I. Self-conceit and self-deprecation both say I. Self-conceit says, didn't I do a good job? And self-deprecation says, oh, poor me. I was abused. I was confused. I was bemused. I was... And some reason, there must be a reason why I did it. A stupid thing. It, it ain't me, babe. No, no, no. It's not my fault. Yes, please. We have a question from Sadatmananda. Namaste, Sadatmananda. Namaste. When he who appears as a friend comes, the goddess sticks to her sankalpa in, an, in order to peacefully decline. Could you speak on this and how we can respectfully decline other people's offers without causing conflict? Absolutely. Sadatmananda, stick to your sankalpa. And consider the advice of all those who appear to be friends in the light of your sankalpa. How does this fit into your goals? How does this fit into your plan? Are they taking you away from where you want to go? Or are they pushing you in the right direction? Are they helping you? Or are they hindering you? Is this a tangent? Are you going to go to the party and, and smoke and drink and dance the hoochie <laughs> Or are you going to go to the temple and meditate and do japa and learn to sing the chandi? Uh, what are those who appear to be friends telling you to do? Does it fit into your plan? Does it fit into your goal? Does it bring you closer to your goal? Is it part of your objective? This will be the criteria by which we discriminate what is appropriate behavior. How much of the outside shall I let inside without giving up myself? I don't want to lose me. I've got a goal, I've got a path, I've got a process, I'm committed. I made a sankalp. I don't want to give that up. 
especially for frivolous pleasures of the world. That would be stupid. Let me use discrimination. My Bibek. Bibek, please give us Bibek. Let me use Bibek. My discrimination so that I can determine. I have criteria by which I can discern what kinds of behaviors are appropriate in this world, what's going to take me closer to my goal, and what's going to take me farther away. Yes, please. You know that verse where it talks about um, how the goddess has such, she's so gentle, but in battle she's very fierce? Yes. So, um, I feel like when I sit for sadhana, they're like, they're, I can have the, both of those going on because I want to be fierce with all the thoughts that are coming. Yes. But, and then I also want to be gentle in terms of um, finding that softness so I can surrender to the goddess. Yes. So how do we... Reconcile the two? Yeah. When you fiercely withdraw your energy from the Asuras and you gently and lovingly give your attention to the goddess, aren't you fierce, mild and gentle and fierce and uh, fearful, fear inspiring at the same time? The thoughts look at you and say, aha, there's, uh, there's the one we want to attack. Oh, that little girl, she's alone, unarmed, she's mild and gentle and the ultimate of, uh, uh, of gentility. She can't fight with us. So you fiercely withdraw your energy from them and you give it to your mild and gentle and common nature where you become the Divine Mother. I am just here to inspire and nurture and I'm focusing my attention on my goal. That's how you reconcile the two at the same time. You withdraw your energy from the thoughts fiercely and you give it to the gods with the greatest of gentility, the greatest of generosity. Here gods, you take my attention. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia. Namaste. The goddess here is alone versus self-conceit in the huge army. It seems that as we deepen and grow our prayer life, we too defy what we've been told by society is humanly possible, such as needing less sleep and still being vibrantly healthy. Can you tell us about this other way of being? Julia, every time I fall in love, I can't sleep. I just, I, I just stay up all night because I'm in love. And it's not something you force, I want to be in love. It just happens to you that you get up in the night and you're in love. And when you're in love, you just don't think about sleeping, you think about, uh, Mama gets up and cooks. She gets up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and she starts, she puts these big pots on the butt on the stove. I got kids coming. I'm going to serve Shiva. And she makes new recipes and new things to eat and new things. When you're in love, it's something that's prakritic, it's swabhavic. It's nothing that, I'm going to make a discipline not to go to sleep. I mean, you were a teenager once. I believe you still are. Uh, 
So you, when you when you fell in love in your first time, didn't you didn't you sit up all night thinking about your beloved? Well, I do. <laughs> well, I, I go to sleep. I'll go to sleep at eleven. I'm up by one. I go to sleep at at, at twelve. I'm up by one fifteen. <laughs> but I'll be in the temple before she comes to clean up. And she's coming to do her duty, and I'm there because I want to be there before she's there. <laughs> I want the opportunity to demonstrate the sincerity of my love. And that's all there is. I just wake up, and I'm wide awake, and it's time to, uh, what am I going to do with myself? Well, I can either sit here and answer another 400 emails, or I'm going to the temple and ring the bell. Now, giving my preferences... I, I choose to ring the bell. <laughs> Namaste. We have a question from Jennifer. Namaste, Jennifer! Namaste. Do challenges arise and intensify in external life and circumstances as well as inside when we begin to do our sadhana? Well, certainly, Jennifer, we're faced with challenges all through life. As long as you have a body, you're going to have a challenge. There's no question about that. The only question is, how do we face those challenges? With what attitude, with what inspiration, with what bhavana do we face the challenges that occur in life? We're going to have challenges. You're going to have health problems. You're going to have legal problems. You're going to have marital problems. You're going to have every kind of you're going to have financial problems. You're going to have every kind of problem that you can imagine in life. Do you have only problems or do you have solutions? <laughs> Are these obstacles, are they opportunities? Are you in love? Or are you burdened? Yeah, are you fulfilling your responsibilities and meeting your obligations and shouldering the burdens of life? Or are you picking up the opportunities and fulfilling the, the privileges and, and enjoying every means at your disposal to express your love for, for God? You're going to have obstacles, you're going to have problems, you're gonna, they're all going to come all the time. Is Durga with you or is Mahishashur with you? <laughs> Who are you going to call upon? <laughs> are you going to call upon self-conceit and self-deprecation? Oh, poor me. Why am I alone and unarmed and meek and mild by nature? Or are you going to say, gee, I've got a sudden culpa. You tell he who appears to be a friend Bug off. <laughs> Bug off. Ah, we don't need you here. Ah. We have a question from Vivekananda in Seattle. Namaste, Vivek. Namaste, Mon Swamiji. I have been inspired to write poetry lately about mother, but as soon as I sit to write, Shumba and Yashuma take over. How to write, how to write to and about the mother without thinking about me? <laughs> Well, there are many ways that we could do it. Vivek, first of all, you could put it in your poetry in the third person and make it all a description of her. Do you know what I recommend for you? Megdut. 
Negadut was the divine poem of Kalidas. He described in Sanskrit, it's magnificent. Uh, but what happened? He, he went to Kanyakumari, Cape Kamran, the very southern tip of India, and he saw a devotee there. And he saw the devotee was crying and crying and crying and a cloud came to the devotee and said, what are you crying about? And he said, cloud, where have you come from and where are you going? And the cloud said, I am going to the Himalayas. The Himalayas? Well, it just so happens I have my beloved is in the Himalayas. She is the lady sitting on top of a lion who is standing at the highest peak of the Himalayas. Would you give her a message for me? Cloud said, sure I will. Megadut, the cloud is my ambassador. The cloud became the ambassador. So he gave him the message. Cloud picks up in the air, he starts flying over India, and he looks down, and he sees every state and every kingdom and every culture of India, and he describes the, the clothing and the music and the food and the customs and the, and the farms and the uh, whole way of life of all the people of India, all the different countries of India, what colors they were wearing, what food they were eating, how it smelled and how it looked and how... In the third person. And it had nothing to do with I, me. Self-conceit and self-deprecation were nowhere to be seen. He was a reporter. Hello, this is Mr. Cloud as the ambassador, and I am reporting to you live from the sky above India. <laughs> and finally, he flew to the top of the Himalayas, and he saw that lady sitting on a lion. He said, oh, you got a devotee, and he wants you to know how much he loves you. Yeah, read it, read it, but I, I, uh, please read it. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful in Sanskrit. The translation, I haven't translated it, I'm sorry. But I mean, I, I translated it in experience, but I didn't translate it in writing it down. And read it. It's so wonderful. You'll get an idea of how you can write beautiful poetry without self-conceit. As a reporter, reporting what the clouds said how the cloud delivered the message from the devotee to the goddess. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika! Namaste. Earlier, earlier in class tonight, you said the cosmic puja comes out of the chandi. Can you explain this a little more, please? Could you possibly wait until we get to the three secrets at the end of the chandi? Uh, it starts with the Pradhanikan Rahasya, the first the preeminent secret, and then the Boykritik Rahasya, which is the modified secret, and then the Murthy Rahasya, and these are the explanation of the three rows of the deities and the order of worship. So that's how we get the, the, the goddesses Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, Mahasaraswati are worshipped in the Chandi through the cosmic puja. We have a question from Srini in Bangalore. Namaste, Srini Baba. I thought you were in a plane. Yeah. He is. It's an old question. Oh, okay. 
What is the significance of the spirit that the mother drinks when fighting the great ego? Oh, she drinks, she quaffs the spirit of eternal devotion. The nectar of eternal devotion is the amrit that all the gods drink. They're not into booze. They're not into somras. They're not into bong and, and, and chinnis and, and ganja and all that stuff. That, that's not the eternal nectar. The eternal nectar is the, the spirit of eternal, of infinite devotion, unending devotion. Just like when we press out the somras with the pressing stones, it comes out of, uh, it comes through us. We squeeze out all the nectar of devotion and make that as our offering. It's not a physical substance. We're not promoting intoxication. We're promoting a, a union with God through pure devotion. So that's the eternal nectar that, that, that is, uh, she's drinking. We have a question from Elise. Namaste, Elise. Namaste. Is it the ego that asks me, why am I trying to learn the chandi, or is it my insecurity? Insecurity is an appendage of the ego. <laughs> Sorry. It's all ego if you ask the question, why do I want chandi around me? Huh? Of course you want chandi. She's the mother of the universe. Why wouldn't you want her? Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha Namaste. <laughs>